Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Online Darts, the live lounge. It is Darkness Eve, everyone, and we are back for another pack show. Of course, Phil Bars here with you, Jack Gobby Garwood, and... Something different tonight. Mr. Mr. Jarlathian cannot join us this evening. We'll come on to that shortly. He's not getting away with it. So we've got a split shift from some of the team. First up for the first half, we've got Cam. So please welcome him along to the live lounge. Gentlemen, good evening. How are we? Good evening, mate. How are we doing? All good, mate. All good. Excited to be here for the first time? Absolutely. I'm hoping you ease me in nicely here. Um, don't make it too difficult for me on my first time, but yeah, really excited to be here, really excited for the world. Tomorrow's Christmas starts, none of this Coca-Cola advert, that's not when it starts, it starts when the dart starts. <laughs> uh, Gob, can you hear us or not? Two seconds. Ah, that's it, we can hear you now. Gob's back. There we go. It wouldn't be an online darts live round if I didn't have technical problems of some sort to start, would it? Let's be honest. Just just get out there. No, right? yeah. Go on, chuck the B word at me in the chat. Just get them both out of the way and then we can get on with it tonight. And just enjoy <laughs> dart machines. <laughs> <laughs> Better late than ever, Gob, as always. Um, so we'll, we'll run through. Obviously, it's a bit of a special show tonight. We've, we've done the World Championship preview, so... We're gonna, we've got some stats for you all from Premium Darts Data, superb. We'll, we'll chat through them with you guys in the chat room as well. Then we've got a little segment. We've got Meet the Team. As you know, here at Online Darts, we've expanded the team because the workload for three of us was just too much. Um, so we put together a little compilation of the team so you can meet them and their predictions for the World Championships as well. So something a little different. And then... Half-time, we'll make a substitution. Cam's going to jump out and Luke is going to jump in. So we're spreading the love around. But first of all, Gob, you got hammered for missing shows before. Is there anything you'd like to say to Jarleth before we get cracking? Do you know what? Normally, when we have, when, when one of us misses a show, we've never had a chat function. I don't think I need to say anything. Everyone's just like... Where what I want right now, right, is everybody not in the chat on the comments to go down and just type, Where's the guy with that dodgy suit? <laughs> and then he watches his back or we show him. After last week, that hideous outfit, 
Not in the chat, get in the comment function and where's the guy with the dodgy suit? To be fair, the, the worrying thing was is he actually thought that suit was good. I was definitely proud of it. Everything worries me not, about not my Home Alone Christmas jumper for all those that can see it. Getting that one in nice and early. Um, but yes, so Jarvis cannot join us. However, he will be back for normal duties for the world tomorrow. Um, <laughs> no button comments. Uh, where's Jarlath? Uh, Jarlath can't be with us this evening. I think he's under the thumb. Is that a fair assumption, Gob, already? Can we, can we throw that one out there? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the guy with a dodgy suit? Yeah, like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no further comment, Your Honour, because I am yet to meet the better half. So let's not upset them already, shall we? <laughs> um, so yeah, and after half time, we are going to hand the show over to you guys in the comments. We'll go wherever you want us to go, within reason. Um, but no, we'll. <laughs> We will throw it open to, to, to you guys because, like we say, without you, we wouldn't do this. If you guys didn't tune every week and didn't listen, we would be absolutely irrelevant. Um, so, without further ado, let's crack on with some World Championship stats because we love a stat on this show-ish, maybe. <laughs> no, we, we, we do. So... We love, we love the stat when it suits what we're trying to say. Oh yeah, Christ, yeah. When there's um, when there's no stat, we um, <laughs> we um, we yeah, we'll we'll come on to that in a minute, Martin. Don't worry about that. So here, of course, these are from our good friends over at Premium Darts Data. We have got the world champions from every year, tournament averages, ton plus averages. There's some really interesting things here now. God, I'm going to throw this one open to you. Peter Wright, I didn't, genuinely didn't realise this until they sorted this for us. Peter Wright, only two ton-plus averages on his way to winning the world title last year. Did that surprise you? It has surprised me because you've only just shown me this too. Yeah, I'm quite surprised. I, I thought he was a lot more dominant last year after he survived that Malik Dem scare than perhaps that would suggest. Um but then again, we've seen Kirk Shepard make it to a world final average in 88. So it just shows if it's your day and it's your run, then sometimes things are just written to be. That's one of them that tells you that averages are a gauge or a, a, a measure. They don't tell you the entire story. A hundred percent. And then flip the coin. The interesting thing um, for you, Cam, MVG, his last two world championship wins we see six games, 600-plus averages. So we know if he does six from six this year, who's lifting the title? I mean, yeah, I think you can only look at that and think, if you put six in again in the some pluses, it, it makes you very difficult to beat, especially when you look at the checkout percentages or we've done for him as well. Um, it's not just that some plus where he's scoring so heavily, but when you're checking out uh, in well above the 40s and you look at every single one, that's won it in the last six, seven, eight years there. Everyone's in the 40s there on the checkout percentage. When you've got that ton plus scoring as well, you're very, very difficult to beat. Yeah, no, definitely. And so you just you just look through 
great work from, from Premium Dark Day. There's some, some remarkable ones here. And again, you look at some of the tournament averages, I guess in the one, the 2017 MVG, Gob, for you, is that the best world championship run stroke win ever? I think it's the most dominant. He was just absolutely solid. It was the culmination of one of, if not the greatest year on tour we've ever seen from a professional dart player. He just picked up whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And we we hadn't really seen that since Taylor, but without this sheer number of titles, um, he, he was just virtually unplayable that year. To, to average 107 over this format in the sets when you can have the odd switch off was... Just unbelievable. Yeah, no, 100%. For you, Cam, anything else that jumps off the page on those stats? Um, I think the biggest thing that jumps off the page for me straight away was that Wright wasn't above 100 last year. I just, probably just off the top of my head, assumed he was from watching it. But I think the consistency of the score in these in the recent years where everybody's putting in those scoring, it shows you what somebody's going to have to do this year to go out there and, and win it. You can't win it with a mid-90s anymore. Like You look at Lewis in 2012. I don't think that's going to get you it done anymore. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that jumps off the page. If you look at those last five years there, I was surprised that Wright wasn't 100, but everybody else is at 100, and he's only a smidge below it anyway, Wright. And I think that shows you what you're going to have to do this year to win it. Yeah, no, completely agree. Before we go on to the next one, let's have a look in the comments, see what you guys are saying. Uh, no crowds, yes. We'll touch on that um, after the stats, guys. Don't worry about that because it was like a sledgehammer to the absolute nuts. That news today. Um, funny how MVG hit 66, 180s, and now he switches more. Uh, yeah, it is, it is a surprise. Um, this one for you, Gold, obviously. But he probably gets more 177s and 174s now than anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, do you know what? I think it sort of came about after that 2016-17 season that I was just on about. He was so good and so dominant. I genuinely think he got bored of the game and started working his way around the board and seeing how many different ways he could finish a leg, how many different ways he could tee or set himself up. He was looking for different ways to constantly just be on the same score or to leave himself a 170 or and I think that's where that sort of came from and to be honest where he's struggled in the last couple of months I think that period maybe did a little bit of damage to his game where he was so good switching around the lack of relying on that first start and still moving around the board just means that every throw is different when you start losing form and you're still in that Mantelli, I just think he needs to just go back and just fire in 180s, do what he did with those 66, and he'll be eventually unplayable again. Yeah, well, we, we touched on that last week. There, there are, there's been signs, shall we say, but we will obviously come on to that in a minute. Moving on, slide number two from our friends. Highest three-dot averages of all times. Now, I love this one. I know we say averages are only a guide, but you know when they're up on those astronomical numbers, that it's a damn good game. So we'll do the highest averages of all time first. And obviously the one that jumps off the page 
is that semi-final from Michael Van Gerwen. 114.05 over that distance, Cam, is something to behold. It's incredible. I, I mean, it's not just the, the length of time he's doing it over. He's doing it under the highest level of pressure at that business end of the tournament. Like You look at a lot of them on that list and you're looking at last 64, last 32, last 16. But to then do it when it steps up to the longer format and under that sort of pressure, it's just something else. It's like that switch that he has when he when Van Gerwen just is on and it's just untouchable. Yeah, no, completely agree. And obviously, God, we keep going on about the standard rising and rising. The second one, we go back to 2002. 111 from Phil Taylor has stood the test of time. It has, but he is the anomaly. And he always has been. He is the anomaly for this sport. Nobody will ever win over the sheer consistency and repetitiveness that Phil Taylor picked up titles. He collected them like I'd buy loaves of bread. He was he was just that comfortable and, and he was superb. Like let's be fair, he was never the biggest one eighty hitter either. His his switching around the board, his finishing was was the big aspect of him and that's superb. To to have done that that long ago, different equipment to the advance we've had in technology and equipment in eighteen years is ridiculous. He's probably playing on staple boards in 2002, thick wires. If anything, that's more impressive than 114. If I remember rightly, the, the 2002 would have still been the knitting needle darts as well. The straight ones? Yeah. I don't think he changed to the, when he the, to the, the until... Later. If anyone in the comments can remember, 2002, was Phil Taylor still using the knitting needle darts? Because I think he was. Um, Cam, back to you on that highest average list. Which ones of them can you remember and which ones obviously stick out for you? Um, I think 2009 final is one that sticks out. I mean, it's almost at that 111 again. To do it over a final again is one that really sticks out, and then Van Gerwen in 2017 as well. I think the biggest ones that stick out are the ones where people are doing it under the highest pressure. I mean, I know there's pressure throughout the entire World Championship because it is what it is, and it's the pinnacle of the sport, but to do it over the long format at the end, there's the 2009, the 2000, um, 2017 from Van Gerwen again, in the final, following up off that semi-final of the 114, he's then followed it up with another 108 there as well. Um, and then Jamie Lewis is one that sticks out, who you wouldn't expect to be on there as much, but 107.27. Yeah, that was against Peter Wright, if my memory serves me correctly. I think so, yeah. Against your boy, Gob. Um Again, one that jumps off for me, <laughs> the, the Gary Anderson semi-final 2016 against Yellow Clarkson. Now, we all know that you're a huge Anderson fan, Gob. That year, was that his best ever year, that that run? 
Yeah, yeah, easily. He was he was unplayable. I, I know I've said I've used that word about four times already, but generally in that tournament, he could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He had such a great command of the darts, and that first set against Yellow Clapton just summed up his tournament. He broke the record for 180s that year. I think they broke the record between them in the final. And we've we've just seen the stats from the tournament before, where the, where the tournament. <laughs> Talking so, of favourites, I want to. I've, I've I've just noticed a little stat within these highest averages of all time. Have you seen his name appear most frequently, Philip? Uh, we're constantly most... told that in this era and performance-wise, that Michael Van Gerwen is the best player to ever play darts. Phil Taylor is the greatest in terms of winning them. But Phil Taylor is on that list eight times, and Michael Van Gerwen's only on it six. Agreed, but this is only World Championship stats. What would you stat say across every PDC tournament? I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to our friends and see if we can do a year-on-year comparison average for you for after Christmas. I think we should. See if... Yeah, I... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw out in, in In the comments section, do we dare... Do we dare do it, God? Do we do the show... Phil Taylor versus Michael Van Gerwen. I think we do. In the I new year. Every single second of it, which is why I think we do it even more. So that's the right for not being it. Absolute carnage. He's going to rock up next week and be like, what have I missed? So far, Cameron's dress is better than him with a better moustache. And we're about to go Barney versus MVG. And we've already slated his suit. He's going to hate it. Oh, no, Jarlof is watching. Look, look at the YouTube comments. <laughs> Completely mugging you off, Gob. <laughs> I see it. Shock. I'm having internet problems to load and see what he said. Uh, Gob chatting shite again. What a surprise. <laughs> Good evening, Jarlof. <laughs> Miss you too, mate. Uh, right, everyone. Yeah, we're right. In the new year, because obviously there's not a lot between the end and the Masters, we will do it. We will try and put it together, the ultimate show. Right, again, highest um, England averages of all time. Not a surprise that the, the top the top five is dominated by Mr. Philip Douglas, is it? Cam, and obviously then Rob sneaks, sneaks in and breaks the mould. Yeah, so you've got Rob sneaking in the AD, chucking one in in the first round in 2010. Uh, I think you might see a couple more on there this year. Um, I think Michael Smith has got one. I think that might be two or three by the end of this tournament. Yeah, agreed. I think that we might see Michael Smith's name crop up once or twice in this tournament for a huge average after what we saw over the last couple of weeks, Gob. Possibly. It all depends for me how quickly he settles. Obviously, we're already sat here talking about his chances and, and it, it, it's not on the same extent yet, but it's going to get to the to the Ian White point. Can he deliver? Is he ever going to get to one? Terry Jenkins had the same issue in finals. Um, the, the sooner he settles and, and can just relax and release his darts, the better. And if he can chuck in a, a big boy average in the opening round, that will certainly help. Yeah, just, just looking at this list, Cam, are you surprised that Adrian Jackpot Lewis doesn't feature more prominently. We've got, look, one, 
He's only on there once. Once in 2010. I am a little bit. Um, I'm surprised he doesn't feature more often than that, absolutely. Um, especially in the years where he won it. But I suppose going back to the first one we looked at, he averaged, what, 94 in his second world title over the whole tournament. So maybe it's not that surprising if you look back at that one as well. But I would have expected it to be more up there, especially early stages when he's flowing, like the one that's on the last 64 in the shorter form, like Lewis when he's grouping the darts together and playing well. You would expect him to have a couple on there at least. Yeah, and no, I completely agree. And God, Chisnell. I just think that I was just say I think Lewis has so many periods in matches where he just switches off. You look at some of the greatest games ever, you look at the match play in the Grand Slam games against Phil Taylor. Astronomical averages, but he ultimately loses them games because he has a low period. And if if that's the reason why he's not up there, it really wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, agreed. And surprisingly, that Chisnell's only on there once because we all know he misses doubles, but he power scores for fun. And then a random 2017 Darren Webster popping up in there. Yeah, I think I remember that. It's just dark, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Darren Webster, though. He played in that game. Yeah, I can't remember who he played, but back then, 2017, he just got into the top 16 and there was talk of Premier there, there, there was talk of Premier League for him, wasn't there? Because he was reaching quarterfinals of everything galore. This is when, obviously, the, the titles weren't spread out as much and people were like, oh, could he get Premier League? But since then, obviously, not really been um, himself. Right. I'm not sure if Gob's going to like this next slide. <laughs> right, obviously the, the 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 Scottish one is fairly straightforward, dominated by two people at the World Championships. <laughs> but I go back to again 2011, Gary Anderson 108. You you, you forget how long he's been around. God, a long, long time as Gary. Like when he made the top over from the video, and he's he's been a threat the entire time. You think he made that final against Lewis pretty early in his PDC career? Um, the change, I suppose, the thing that made Gary a real, real threat was is getting comfortable on the doubles. That's why he ended up as a two-time back-to-back world champion. His, his scoring has always been up there. It's always been can he produce better than thirty-five percent on the outer ring? And when he does it, he's electric. Absolutely electric. Yeah, no, definitely. And from the Scottish ones for you, Cam, anyone that jumps off that game that you particularly remember from these stats? Um, there's not one that I would say I particularly remember off the back of the stats, but like you said, Harry, the fact that the, the one that jumps out to me is that highest one of being in 2011 because that was when he sort of not long after he'd made the switch over and I wouldn't have thought that his highest ones would have been that far back. I would have thought we'd have been looking more recently for those. Um, and like you said, it's it's when when he's firing on the outer ring, he's, he's almost unplayable. Um, especially it, as soon as that first dart goes in the top half of that 
level 20, you just, and he's hitting that consistently. He's very, very difficult to live with. Yeah, 100%. Right, let's switch over. Let's go to the Dutch ones. Um, they, there is some absolute blockbuster in these ones. And I know we're going to mention the, the, the B word here, Gob, but some of these averages are back when he was the Barney that everyone fell in love with, shall we say. Yeah. I, I, I really can't. Some of them are probably more recent than I expected. Um, looking at 2018, last 32, down to the bottom. Um, the others are more recent enough. Um, obviously, Milton dominates the list and, and probably will always dominate that list. And it's only because of that really big two from Raymond at the top, the one in nine and one in eight, that Michael probably won't complete that list himself one day if he, if he carries on playing the way he is. But Jeffrey is, is a threat to that. Perhaps he, we've shown that he can just go absolutely berserk. Um, and I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised to see a new name on that list by the end of January. Which one? Which one's going to break the list? The Obed the Obergenius. <laughs> Dirk Van Divenboder. Yeah, I'll stick my neck out. He, he, he throws over a 102 at some point and lands himself on that list. To, to be fair, again, I don't know what you agree, Cam, but Noppy's another one that could gatecrash that list. Absolutely, yeah. I think the both contenders that could quite easily break that list, especially early rounds over the shorter format, I think. I think I'd be surprised if, if Burke doesn't put one on there, to be honest, um, the way he's been playing this year. Um, I was already kind of lining that one up and Gob's snuck in there in front of me. I'm dropping that one in there. <laughs> no, definitely. Talk to channel. Just replying to a few comments as well. But yeah, in terms of Dutch darts, whilst we've got them up there, it's in a good place, isn't it? We've seen a new a new breed of Dutch players come through of late, or they've been around, but they may have developed into the players that we thought they could have. I think so. Although 18 months to two years ago, I probably thought it was in a slightly stronger place just because I think there were more well-known prospects. And you're looking at some of the youngsters, or not youngsters, but established talk adults like Jeffrey Desline and like Jermaine Wasamena, who have been around for a while now and have been on the pro tour for a while now. And we just, we're waiting for both of them to kick on. We've, we've seen the exceptional performance here and there from there, from them. Jeffrey Desline at the match play a couple of years back. Like, who can forget that? And they've almost been overtaken now by Noppy, who's just been steady and after his move over from the BDO, and Dirk. And really, the two that you expected to be contending week in, week out to be Michael Van Gogh's partner at the World Cup of Darts were Jermaine and Jeffrey. So don't get me wrong, they've got depth there and they're, they're more than capable players. But with the system that the Dutch have, with the number of players that they've got, I'm, I'm still waiting for another one to join that top eight for a real elite dart player. They've, they've got some very, very good professionals, but I'm still waiting for another elite, world-class, top-level Dutchman to break through. To be fair, Ollie's just put a good one in the YouTube chat as well as we've got the Scottish one up. 
surprised that Thornton's not on that list at all. And I, having said that, I'm quite surprised as well. Go yeah, back 2014-15. Yeah, I, I thought Thornton would have gate-crashed at least around the 102-103 because he was magnificent around that time, Cam. He was. He was, and he's finishing at that time. The number of thumb buses he was taking out, it does surprise me that there's not a higher average on there because you just fancied him every time he left that three-darter. So he was going to find it last start. He's going to hit double top four. And I am surprised that with the number of those he was taking out when he was on and he was hurting people with those finishing, that he hasn't thrown an average in there above 102. Yeah, 100%. Right. Next. I feel, I, I feel like we're on um, COVID watch. Next slide, please. <laughs> and now we're going to see the regional um, for somewhere. the rest of the world. Um, again, Jamie Lewis topping the rest of the world, and then a Spaniard, Cristo Reyes. Cristo Reyes, where where has that come from? <laughs> that is the um, the elephant in the elephant in the room. <laughs> and again. Literally, but um, that's Mitch McGowan on this list. This is the best list of the day. <laughs> uh, this is superb. Yes. Whitlock, Whitlock, Dimitri, Gezi, Dimitri, Dimitri. There he is, the Prince of Wales, Richie Burnett. Quite tell what, there is yeah. some names on this list. Again, in the chat room, cool. now you're seeing this. There, there is some names on this list. Uh, yeah, guys in the chat room, I think you're right. I think. Yeah, the, the Christo Reyes one was when he lost to MBG. If you don't get a chance MBG to double, your average looks really good. That's exactly what I was his three steady 100 visits in my nine darts but my opponent's gone out in 12 oh no yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> again just just looking through that list again yeah Cad, Cadby and Burnett are the two that jump off for me I'm showing my age because I've got a massive soft spot for Richie Burnett because he was part of the reason that I fell in love with darts back in back at Lakeside in like 93 time and stuff like that but yeah, Cadby, that was when he won the last 16 and then lost to Joe Cullen the same night, was it? I think so. After giving it a bit Again, of what a chat, as, as Corey liked to do. Yeah. <laughs> just just yeah, throwing this one out there. If it... um... Go on, go on. I think Dark misses Cadby. Cadby had the potential to oh, really... Oh
talent better than Cadby that maybe haven't got on? when he's put that average up there and where he was at in his career at that stage, he's definitely up there, absolutely. Um, I think to go and throw that sort of an average in a world championship when you're inexperienced and not spent time on that stage, I think shows you that he clearly had something and probably the big stage was probably where he's going to perform best as well. So... I think you're probably right. Um, he's certainly in the conversation. Gob? Oh, I think you're bang on. I mean, you look at everyone else that won a World Youth title, and apart from Dimitri, it's not the most flattering list of achievers at the minute. No. <laughs> they haven't really gone on to do a lot. Uh, Michael Smith, obviously, and, and Dimitri, the exceptions, but... You look at Aaron Monk, James Hubbard is attempting to make Q score again maybe this year, I believe. But these are guys that had all the potential in the world and haven't really kicked on. Cadby's come in and, and taken that to another level. He was he was superb. He rattled people's cages and he was a winner. He was a serial winner. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And again, just some on the chat room here. The ferret to jump on that list. Yeah, look, I think the ferret's capable of putting one on there. And no Brendan Dolan people thought might make the list. Can't argue that five, no, six years ago, Dolan was, yeah, Dolan was one of the most consistent performers uh, around there. So, yeah, good good shout that on, on Dolan missing, missing out. Um, let's go through some of the comments about this. Um, Damon Hetter could join the list. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Damon Hetter this year or next year, 100% I'd expect to be on that list, guys. Yeah, I, I think he'll join that list. I think year. so. I, I still think he needs to find an extra gear. He might sneak in along the bottom of that list. But I've said it quite a few times. He seems to sit at a steady 97-98 for a lot of his games, especially in tournament events. And I'm trying to find... He finds that extra gear where he can put on three, four legs at the end of a match in, in 12 darts or something, 100% see him on that list. If he's just going to stay steady, difficult to beat, but it might not throw the astronomical averages that we're waiting. You think yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of that, and that's the little break where he could put two or three together and then maybe... I just think it might help a little bit. Could do. Oh, there's a there's an absolute name that's just jumped on here. But yeah, but 100% will be on that list. Devin Peterson. Yeah. yeah. At some point, he's an average. Yeah. Yeah. Rikowski's not a bad shout either. Yeah. We've seen him do Matt Campbell. Good. Matt Campbell definitely got the potential. I was so impressed with the World Cup. We keep saying it, but I was very, very impressed with yeah. the World Cup. Um, I think he could be, if he manages to get a tour card and, and commit full-time over here with Jeff, he could be a serious player. Yeah, and of course, Luke joining us short or shortly, the, the Sousa and Clemens. One of them, yeah. Uh, the other one, as everyone knows, I'm not sold on yet. But yeah, Clemens, maybe. De Sousa could join that list, agreed. 
Um, I fully expect him to. Right, yeah, hundred percent. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, so let's go for as well. Um, Kim Hyrex is going to chuck another one on there. Um, You're liking the Hyrex for a minute, isn't it? I want to get shot down to that one a bit. I just got a feeling. I knew I was going to get a bit of stick in the group for it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Dark Wolf, I'm not too sure if it was for all players in 2017, but the general standard that year was ridiculous. Um, Did it so, yeah, uh, was that not sta- the year that they extended the format? Because that's the problem with comparing it. So. When they extended it to the 96, without being disrespectful, some of the qualifiers weren't as good as what we were seeing from a 72-man tournament. I know the, uh, yeah, the, the first year when it was 96, without trying to sound horrible, some of that first round was just cannon fodder. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the problem. If you uh, send it too far, you kind of dilute a little bit, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Um, completely agree. Well, that's the World Championship stats, guys. So before Cam leaves us, um, we make a half-time substitution. Any questions for Cam, who's obviously just joined the team, getting him on to a couple of minutes. If you've got any questions for Cam, fire them into the chat room. Now, guys. Uh, yes, he does know November finished 14 days ago, by the way. He's, he's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not just the task, it's just the terrible beard. The rest of it, that is the problem. It's patchy and terrible. <laughs> we've we've um we've all been there mate don't worry about that um everyone knows my thoughts on this one but we'll throw it over to you cam thoughts on nico kurtz i think nico kurtz could could make it for a very good uh, second round game um if he gets through um because he's got coming doesn't he if he gets through there you think so yeah so I think that he could do a lot of damage early on if he's if he's there and if he's firing. Um, I, yeah, I think could be a shock early on. Yeah, hundred percent. I am certainly with you there. Right, everyone, we are now going to go to a new feature for the stream today. We are going to meet the team. Like we say, we've expanded the team recently, so so you know everyone that is coming up. Uh, Ollie, can I join the team? Um, DM us on Twitter, mate. And when we've got gaps, obviously, like last time, we will chat to people as always. So, like we say, we've expanded the team. Obviously, everyone knew it was me, Jar, and Jack to start with, but we have a hack to expand. So now it's your chance to meet everyone. Cam, thanks for joining us on your first live lounge, mate. Hope you enjoyed the experience and 100% you will be back because we can't do it all. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, just so here we are, guys. Point and just go, on, mate. To go off. Can I pull a cap at this point and refuse to go off and let Luke come back in? <laughs> he's going to do a kepper in the cup final. Not coming off. Yeah. No. Not coming off. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. Here we are. Meet the team and we'll see you on the other side of this.
from after next season as soon as those new 21 will talk about championships so let's start with the most important one the winner and i think it's going to be gerwin price now anyone picking a name other than the top three big names is lying to themselves i think they're far too strong to the other competition the only stumbling block I see for Gerwin Price is Jose de Souza early on in the competition. But Jose, although he's did well on TV and he's won a major, so had Mensah Soljevic and he hasn't proved it in the World Championship yet. And we see a poor record of the Portuguese man so far, just similar to what Mensah Soljevic has. And I get vibes, I put Jose in the same bracket as Soljevic, so I don't think uh, Gerwin Price will fall at that hurdle. And I also don't believe he will even have to play Nathan Aspinall, I think Nathan will get put out before that stage without a crowd I don't feel as if he has the energy that he needs to, to win a major uh, so who do I think is going to meet Gerwin in the final well I'm actually going to go with the bully boy I think the bully boy's got the nicest quarter out of the four to be honest and like, similar to Gerwin Price he's got a stumbling block early on with a man in form Devin Peterson but with the exact same logic I just don't think over four sets the, the South African can take him I think he's just too good at the moment Michael Smith uh, but I do understand that he would have to beat Michael Van Gerwen in the semi-final. And I don't really have rationale other than I just have a feeling that Michael Smith will turn up, play his A-game, which is Michael Van Gerwen, and 11-set thriller, Michael Smith will do the business. Uh, in terms of the two seeds most in danger, the first one I'm going to go for is Adrian Lewis. I think everyone in the darts world will expect Damon Hitter to come through his first round draw and set up the tie with Jackpot. And Jackpot's defending the last 16 money from two years ago. It's I don't think it's looking good. Damon Hitter's reached the quarterfinals of the last two uh, TV events, and it's been proven he's not he's not a fluke. He's not a one-hit wonder. And the other one is another Englishman, Dave Chisnell. I believe it will be Keegan Brown to get through it, and I've seen glimmers of hope from Keegan Brown of late that there's some consistent consistency to his game. And consistency is one word I do not associate with Dave Chisnell. So I feel like under the pressure, that snatch is going to come out and uh, the, the needle is going to put him out. In terms of two outsiders, I'm going to go for two Dutchmen. First one is Vincent van der Voort, the same quarter of the draw as Gerwin Price, who I think will eventually put him out in the quarterfinals. But I mentioned before, I think Nathan Aspinall will go out and I think it will be to Vincent van der Voort. I feel like he's too consistent at the moment. He doesn't need the crowd. He doesn't bother about that, despite his catchy theme song. And I, I think the Dutch Australia will make it to the quarterfinals. And his fellow countryman is my other pick, Dirk van Dijvenboda. I think a lot of the boys were going to pick uh, Rob Cross to get dumped out early by Dirk van Dijvenboda. And yeah, I see that. He's in a section of the draw with a lot of world champions. Glenn Dunn, Rob Cross, Adrian Lewis. But none of which are on form right now. I think uh, Dirk is better than all, than all three at this point in time. So there we are. But one thing, hopefully we'll guarantee some amazing darts. But Gerwin Price is my pick for the winner. Evening all, my name's Lee, um, I'm from Warsaw in the West Midlands, so my tip to win the Worlds this year is Bully Boy Michael Smith, um, we've seen him get to a number of major finals, including the Worlds previously, and I think his confidence is back after getting to back, um, winning back-to-back -back titles at the Winter Series, and that will give him a lot of confidence, so on the 4th of January 2021, I expect to see Bully Boy lifting that title. His opponent in that final and runner-up, I believe, will be Derwin Price. I expect Derwin Price to have a really good run this year and get his revenge on Peter Rice in the semi-final. Um, but ultimately, I believe he'll have to wait a little bit longer before he'll get his hands on that trophy and we'll see Michael Smith lifting it this year. So, seeds in danger for me. Uh, I'm going to start with Chris Dobie. Uh, he hasn't been in the best of forms in 2020 and what a tough draw he's got. The opening night sees uh, the Canadian Jeff Smith take on the young Irishman, Dean Barry. 
I think which will be a very tight game that I see Jeff Smith coming through. And I believe then we'll eliminate Chris Dolby in the following day's action. The second seed I feel in danger is Jeff Woody's one. So I expect him to play Ryan Seal in the second round. Ryan's performances on stage seem to have got better throughout 2020. And I expect him to be on the right end of the result against the Dutchman this year. So outsiders to make a run. Um, as I mentioned, Jeff Smith. I think if he comes through that tough opener against Keen Barry, um, it will then progress through that bottom half of his quarter, which includes the out of form Daryl Durney and Nathan Aspinall. Um, I see Smith getting to the quarterfinals. I think he'll run into Durbin Price at that stage. But I expect Jeff Smith to have a really good run this year and to see him around the quarterfinal stage. The second outsider I see to make a good run this year is Dirk van Dijvenbode. So, obviously, he comes into this in um, good form after reaching the final in the major this year. Um, he takes on the newly crowned world champion in the first round. And if he gets through, that will take on um, an inconsistent Rob Cross. I see Dirk coming through that and progressing all the way once then to around the quarterfinal stage. Hi, guys. Dan Simpson here up in Billingham in Teesside. Uh, we are one day away from the Darts World Championship. So as my kids would say, there is one more sleep to go. Very exciting indeed for all Darts fans, particularly exciting for me as for the first time I'm going to be working with the online Darts team uh, to help you keep you all informed of everything that's going on throughout the tournament. few picks from me, first and foremost, your 2021 Darts World Champion. Is that man there, Mr. Glenn Durant. I think the Premier League champion has had a difficult last six to eight weeks last couple of months have been really challenging obviously he's been poorly um he's struggled to pull his form back from that but i think after a, after a break if, if glenn is capable of playing his a game then i think this is the time where he really shows everybody that he's you know he's in the pdc for one reason and one reason alone and that's to win world championships glenn's a winner um he he's capable and understands how to play on a big stage and i think he gives everyone a problem if he's playing at his very best. Now, seeds most in danger. The two seeds I have most in danger are both former world champions. I think Gary Anderson um, has got has got a tough a tough route to the, the quarterfinals. I think the prospect of playing Suljevic, uh, a, a really on form Michael Smith, Devin Peterson, who's had a tremendous year. He's really you know he's going to have to get to his A game really quickly, Gary. And I think that the, you know that it's a really it's, he's going to get really pushed hard by, by, by the people he's going to meet at every stage in that tournament. Similarly, when we're looking at stacked quarters, I think I think the defending champion, Peter Wright, um, is, he's going to have to play at his very best from, from the get-go. That that quarter, he's got Clemens, Kurtz, Whitlock, Ratajski, Joyce. They, those are all pro, you know, prospective matches for him before he gets to the quarters. So Peter, again, a bit like Gary, is going to have to play at his highest level in every single game. And we know that occasionally Peter has struggled for form, he struggled with his equipment. And I think if he doesn't come and play his absolute highest level from start or from the start of the tournament, then I think there's, there's, a, there's a real potential banana skin at every stage there for, for Peter. The outsiders that I fancy a run, I think, I think Damon Hetter is probably... The best 
and most informed player that isn't seeded. I think the fact that Damon isn't a seed shouldn't put us off the fact that he, he's remarkably talented. He's had a really turbulent year. He's had to go home. He's had to get back up on roofs. Men, and, and then he's come back. Won a home tour last week. And I think that he, I don't think he fears anybody. Um, in, in Certainly, you know, everyone in his court, I think he doesn't fear, including Mr. Durant. I think I think Damon just turns up, plays it as best he can. And I think his level's going to be really, really high. My other pick is he's got, I'm going to pick Ryan Searle. There's a lot of people talking about Whitlock and I wanted to choose something, choose someone a bit different. But I think Ryan Searle's had a really good year. He won his first ranking event back in February. Again, his, his year's been disrupted like, like like everybody's. But I think I think there's some space for him to grow into the tournament in, in, in the quarter that he's in. I think that he is playing at a really good level. And, and I, yeah, I, just think, I just fancy him to do a bit of something. I think he turns up. I think he plays well. And, and 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 I think there's at least a, a you know a quarter final running there for him. Um, I I hope you all enjoy the tournament. I hope you're all as excited as I am. Uh, I'm going to run round all night telling everyone it's just one more sleep to go. Um, enjoy, guys. Take care. Hi everyone. I'm Glenn Lavery. I live in Essex. I'm new to the online darts team, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, getting my teeth stuck into the World Championships. Um, I'm going to run through quickly my predictions for the tournament, um, starting off with my winner, um, a bit unoriginal, um, but I'm going to go for MVG, uh, Michael Van Gerwen. I just think he's the best player on the planet, has been for the last five, six years, um, and I think he'll prove it um, again in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I think he'll be hurting from losing last year to Peter Wright. Um, he wants to right a few wrongs, and I know people have been writing him off um, for the last couple of years. He's not been the same MVG, but... He had a timely win at the players um, a couple of weeks ago, and I think uh, that sent a signal out to the rest of the field that he's still the man to beat, and he's, he's there. And I think the man that beats him will win the world title if it's not him. Um, I think he will meet James Wade in the final. Um, James Wade um, has come into a, a bit of form again. Um, he seems happy in himself. He seems in a good place. Um, and obviously, James Wade, you can't, you can't beat that man. He's always there. You're never going to smash him. Um, he just plods away, plods away, and eventually he'll grind you down. And I just think he has got a bit too much nous for, for many in the field, and I think he'll meet uh, MVG in the final. Um, I think a few seeds are in trouble, um, particularly early on, and the first seed, I think, is in big trouble is Rob Cross. Um, obviously, a former world champion, a worthy winner uh, the year that he won it, um, but he's not quite hit the same height since. Um, I think looking at his averages in 2020, he's 30th in terms of his average which obviously isn't great, um, and he's set to meet uh, Dirk van Dijvenbode in the second round. A big hitter, a good finisher, uh, and I think Rob Cross is in trouble there. Um, the second seed, I think, is in trouble. Now, you might think I'm mad, but um, I'm going to go for Peter Wright, the reigning champion. Um, he's now got a target on his back. Um, he's never, obviously... Um, come into a world championship as the reigning champion. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he copes with that pressure. Uh, he may well do. He may well cope with it really well. He's played well throughout most of the year, um, but he's never come into a world championship uh, as the reigning champion, obviously. Um, uh, and again, I think he's due to meet Steve West in the second round. Steve West can mix it with the big boys. Um, and that'll be a test for Peter, right? And I just think it'll be interesting to see how he copes with being the reigning champion. But Rob Cross and Peter Wright, I think, are two seeds in danger for me. Um, I've got a few uh, left field selections uh, for people that I think can have a good run. Um, I considered Jermaine Watamina, um, 
but I'm going to side uh, come down the side of firstly Damon Hetter, um, who's reached a couple of quarterfinals this year on TV. Um, I think it's easy to forget that last year he beat Jose de Souza three 0 in the first round, and obviously look at what Jose's gone on to do this year. Um, he lost to Glenn Durrant after that, but obviously Glenn Durrant was just coming off the back of a successful stint at the BDO, and Glenn Durrant is Glenn Durrant. So I think Damon Hetter um, is definitely one to one to keep an eye on. I think he's um, he's had the tenth most one eighties per leg in terms of the stats this year, and I think he, um, he can put it up to a few a few bigger names if you like. Uh, and the second player I'm going to uh, look out for um, a bit further down the list. Um, it's Christopher Tyski. Um, he's been around for a while and he's flattered to deceive a bit on the big stage. Um, but again, just looking at the stats, he's fourth in terms of averages in 2020 and he's joint third in terms of 100 plus checkouts. So he's not a 180 machine, um, but as long as he can keep himself uh, in the match, um, I think his opponents know that he can pull out a big finish when he's needed. Um, so they're my ones to watch, but I think it will be an MVG James Wade final and MVG to triumph. Thanks all. I'm Brad and I'm uh, from Halifax in West Yorkshire. It's been fantastic to get involved with the online darts team. It's going to be brilliant covering the Worlds over the next couple of weeks leading into the new year. For me, I think Michael Van Gerwen wins his fourth world title. I think he's hit form at the right time, especially by winning the Players' Championship finals. Not been the best of years for MVG. I really think he's, he's determined to secure that fourth world title. I think he beats Jose D'Souza in the final. I think Jose D'Souza will have to beat Gerwin Price along the way. But I definitely think Jose is going to carry on some fantastic form he's shown on the floor and on TV events this year. Obviously, he won the Grand Slam. Um, so I think Jose really pushes on and gets to the final of this event. Um, for me, some of the seeds in danger. Daryl Gurney is a starting point. Daryl will be the first to admit he's not been in the best of form over the last couple of months. Suffered an early exit at the uh, Players' Championship Finals to Callan Rids. He plays either William O'Connor or Neil Zonneveld, who will definitely fancy the chances against him in the second round. Zonneveld obviously took out James Wade in the first round of the Players' Championship Finals. Um, next seed, I think, in danger. It's got to be Rob Cross, I know. That's not because Rob is in the worst of form. Obviously, he started to creep back into some good form. But an opponent in Dirk Van Dijvenboda or PDC World Youth Champion Bradley Brooks. Dirk, Dirk's form has been self-explanatory over the last couple of months, obviously reaching the Grand Prix final, getting to a quarter-final of the Players' Championship finals. It's heavy scoring, deadly finishing. I really see Dirk pushing Rob Cross all the way. That's if he was to overcome... Bradley Brooks, who himself obviously beat Joe Davis a couple of weeks ago to win the World Youth Championship. Um, I know we should have only picked two seeds to be in danger, but I really think Christopher Tasky has his hands full against either Ryan Joyce or Karel Sedlacek. Ryan Joyce won an event at the PDC Summer Series, a man who's on the rise in the rankings. Karel Sedlacek beat Christopher Tasky at the Players' Championship Finals, so it'll be great opportunity for Christopher Tasky to potentially get some revenge on Karol Sedlacek. Obviously, Ryan Joyce on debut at the World Championship um, lost to Michael Van Gerwen in the quarterfinals. So, Ryan Joyce will have faith that he can go deep in the tournament yet again. A couple of outsiders for myself to um, 
to really do well in this tournament. I think Damon Hetter has shown steady improvement across the year. He's got a fantastically fluid action. Although he plays America's Danny Baggish in the first round, if he was to come through that, he plays Adrian Lewis. And then if he was to beat Adi, you'd think he plays Glenn Durant. A chance for him to get revenge on Glenn Durant, as he did on debut 3-0 last year. So if anyone could do it this year, Damon Hetter is a man in consistent form, so I believe he can go quite far in that section of the draw. Another man who I believe has a, a decent shot of going far in this tournament is Ryan Searle. Not the toughest section. I know he plays, if he wins his first round tie against another American in Danny Lobby, he comes up against Jeffrey Deswine, but he'll fancy his chances. And he's got a great record at Alip Alley as well, you know, reaching the third and fourth round in the two years that he has been in the tournament. So I'm going to back heavy metal to do well. Hi guys, I'm Luke from County Durham, and I'm really excited to be working with the online darts team for the first time during this World Championship. Now, you want honest predictions? I'm going to give you mine. Michael Smith will win this World Championship. It's out there. Most people are going to go Gerwin Price, Michael Van Gerwen, Peter Wright. I do believe the man who has come so close so many times will finally get over the line this year. Now, he's taken some unbelievable performances from both Jose D'Souza and Peter Wright to knock him out of the last two tournaments in the quarterfinal stage. This time, I think he gets over the hurdle at the quarterfinals. I think he goes all the way, and I think he wins it in the final. I think he's got too much power not to win a world championship and i do believe that this year finally that scoring power is going to come in clutch and he might even win this world championship seven four seven three if he turns up on his game he averages 100 plus quite comfortably and michael smith is too strong for near enough anyone averaging that sort of averaging in that sort of ballpark now runner up although you definitely wouldn't call this if this if this final happens gerwin price i feel like might be the runner up now, I do believe he's got too much power in the in the bottom sector of that draw not to make at least the semi-finals. And I do believe he could face Simon Whitlock, who, again, that might be a slight out there prediction, but Gerwin Price is in really he's in really solid form. He's good enough. He's won the World Cup quite recently, played really well, carried Johnny Clayton to a really good result in the World Cup. Um, and I do believe that Gerwin Price is going to get there. He's going to get to the final. But I think Michael Smith is going to overcome his demons, and I do think Michael Smith will do him in the final. Now... We're going to look for seeds in danger. First one, Jeffrey Dutvard. Worst average of the top 32 this year. Struggled for form. Got a bit lucky with the World Grand Prix making the quarterfinals, although he shouldn't have been there because of the COVID test of Simon uh, of Stephen Bunting and of Adrian Lewis. I think he did play one of the Players' Championships, got knocked out by Michael Van Gerwen, but he had an OK run and he did average quite well. He was in the high 90s. However, I feel like Dutvard's form has been too inconsistent this year for him to actually make a run of it in the World Championships. I think for that reason, Desvan goes out to Searle, who is in incredibly good form. He's a really solid operator. Some good runs in recent years. I think Searle could go even further than the last 16 this year. Therefore, I think Desvan leaves in round one. My second one is Stephen Button. Button has struggled for form of late. He got really unlucky with a COVID test. He struggled at the Players' Championships. We know Stephen's a player that's had problems with his head in the past, about doubting himself. I do believe that Andy Bolden uh, Andy Bolton is easily capable of beating Stephen Button if he turns up and plays his game. The same sort of game he played at the Winter Series and made the semi-finals of the final day. I do believe that Andy Bolton makes it through that round. And I believe Stephen Button will crash out in round two. So, my outsiders to make a run at this World Championship, Callum Rids. He's in a really open section of the draw with a potential first round, well, a potential second round tie with James Wade. And then maybe Andy Bolton. And then maybe, finally, Ryan Searle. Callum Ridge's scoring power is almost second to none. It's 180s. Unbelievable. He 
He's so consistent. He's really coming on well. He made a brilliant winter series. We've finished 15th overall in the winter series, so a really good result for him. Uh, he's coming into form just at the right time. And I think Calibridge now, with a little bit of stage experience, especially after playing Peter Wright at the Players' Championships, I believe he's got the power now to actually go on and make the quarterfinals. So I think Callum Ritz will have a run at this World Championships. I think it's definitely possible. I think James Wade could struggle against him. My second one to make a run is Chris Doby. I think he's been wrought out far too early by a lot of people who want a fairy tale story with Keen Barry. He's an unbelievable, consistent operator. And you look at his last two results in the World Championships, last 16 and the last 16. This year, Chris Doby could definitely make the last hit. His sector of the draw is quite open. Nathan Aspinall's been struggling for form and he's the highest seed in this, this little quarter of the draw. Therefore, I think Chris Doby could easily make the quarterfinals and play Gerwin Price. Who wins that? Well, we'll have to see. I think Gerwin Price might be a bit stronger than Chris Doby right now. But Chris Doby's definitely got the scoring power to clean that side of the draw and make himself all the way to the semi-finals if he plays his game. He's got the potential to win a world championship in future years. But I think this year, the quarterfinals might be his limit. But I think Chris Doby could have a run at this world championship. So thanks very much for, uh, for watching my introduction video and I will catch you all over the next few weeks on the podcast and on the website of Online Darts. So make sure you keep up with everything. Thank you. Hi everyone, I'm Tom from Manchester. Really excited to be part of the team and covering the Worlds for the first time. Um, first up, my prediction for the winner and the runner-up. Um, there's no point being on here and making a prediction if you don't want a little bit bold with it. I'm going to pick Simon Whitlock to beat Dimitri Vandenberg in the final. Simon's got probably the most open section of the draw to go through. We know that Dimmy's been in great form this year as well. Next up, um, in terms of seeds that I think are in danger early on, Ian White potentially pay, playing Kim Hybrex in the second round. Um, could be in real big trouble there. If Kim's finding the treble with the first start, he's a danger to anyone. Uh, he's had a good run in the past. Worlds. Also, I think Dave Chisnell. I think Keegan Brown or Ryan Meagle could be a really tough draw in the second round there. Either player is going to make it really hard for him. And if he's struggling on the outer ring, he could be banging trouble as well. My two players to have a run that are a little bit outside of the box. I think Kim Hybrex is the first one. Um, I think he's in that same section of the draw with Simon Whitlock. I think it's wide open um, and he could conceivably see the two in the quarterfinals there. And the other one is Devon Peterson, who has had a real upturn in form this year. I think he's primed to have a real good run. Thanks. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. It was Meet the Team. Hope you all enjoyed the, the little feature we put together and the halftime substitution has been made. Cam's left us and we have been joined by Luke. Luke, good evening, buddy. How are you going? Hello, how are you doing? I'm not bad. Good, good. A few, um, few bits to do in between to get you on, but we're we're there. <laughs> <laughs> no one's got tech problems like you, Gob. Absolutely nobody. <laughs> um, of course, we, we are back. Loads of great comments in the chat room, guys. Thank you very much. Um, all appreciating the meet the team bit. So here we are. 
Um, this is Luke. Big team. Paddy, yes, it's got to be 28 sessions at the Worlds. It has to be physically impossible to do it with three or four people. I tried last year. It wasn't big and it wasn't clever. Um, right. So, as we said, we are going to throw the show over to you guys in the chat room now. We are all here on hand. So, fire away in the chat room. Remember, we will try and answer anything possible. Obviously, there's some stuff that we might not be allowed to for legal reasons. However, we will try our very best to do it. <laughs> Christmas jumpers are out. It has to be. It's, it's happy Dartmouth Eve. Right now. <laughs> um, so, while, while the questions come in, Luke, still sticking with your predictions that you made earlier for the Worlds? I think I'm definitely, you know, I might get some stick for saying Michael Smith, but I'm going to stick with him. I think this time he comes over that barrier and I think he does win it. I think he's got the form. I don't know the top three are maybe pulling a little bit away in the last couple of months, but I think Michael Smith, he's going to be right there. We'll see whether we can beat Gerwin Price in the final. That's what I'm going to go for, but we'll stick with it. No, look, everyone knows that we all have a massive spot, soft spot for Bully Boy on this show. And when he does win his first one, there won't be anyone happier than us. That is for sure. Um, right, so a few, few coming in. Um, Christmas jumpers, yeah, we know. First one. Mad darts launch. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, God, do you want to go first? I'll, and I'll come, in off, I'll come in at the end, obviously, because I was there, so know a little bit more. I can fill in some potential gaps. God, what was your thoughts on the mad launch? It's mad. And I, I, I'm quite impressed with it. it. It is a new direction for grassroots darts. And I understand there's, there's been some... Uh, not my nice comments about it online it, it perhaps isn't for everybody's taste but the grassroots starting landscape in the way it was needed a little bit of a shake up we, we've got a new team managing the county setup now in UKDA and I think this is something just that little bit different um, a lot of the sticking point has been on the bidding process and the belts that are involved in being a champion of some description for MAD. But I think there hasn't been enough focus on the other avenues for the system. Yeah. In terms of the admin and, and the other benefits you can get of affiliate in your league, the ranking tables and, and the actual development routes and pathways from being a pub player to professional darts, they're there. People just weren't looking into them enough because I think of the way that the launch was scheduled and the way the launch was put out. So we gave a lot of information. Then we went to matches where for the first time we're playing for belts, not trophies. And you have to put in a, a purse or a bid to compete in those. And I think that was a bit of a change for people that they weren't perhaps expecting. And until we see it happen and work in the future, there will be some hesitancy about it because people don't like change. But the same people will be the ones, the same people criticising this will be the same people that sat there criticising the old video format saying the open system doesn't work and there's no real progression and, and it's like, it's a new idea, it's a new concept, it's a different direction. We need to give it time to build and grow and if you don't want to be a regional champion or European champion or a world champion, you don't have to put your bid in. Uh, for you, Luke, did you see any of the mad launch over the weekend and thoughts on it? 
I did. I kept up with it. Yeah, I think the, I think I understand people's concerns with the belts. I, I know it is a little bit different, but then again, that's what Steve said. They've not come in to try and saturate an, an already quite saturated market. They've just come in to do something a little bit different, guarantee some prize money for the amateurs, which I think is fantastic. It needed to be done. The BDO would sort of run them in the ground, but I think this is going to be a really good start for the amateur game. I think no darts fan can say they're not excited for the News of the World format. Three leg, fast as anything. you really got to be on your game from the start, otherwise out straight away. Everyone's excited for that tournament coming back. I think they're doing some really good things with the amateur finals. That's going to be a brilliant idea. The Super Regional finals will be brilliant. The Royal Rumble is definitely different, and no one expected that, I don't think, um, outside of the, the Mad Circle, but we'll see how that goes. It could be exciting, and a big prize money offer. If you are that last person in there, you win the game, a big prize money for you. Who, who, could, be, who could go wrong with that? Yeah, like I said, obviously, I, I, I was there, and obviously in the debrief afterwards, that's something that we said about that, yeah, that people don't understand the bottom end of the structure properly yet. Like in boxing, because that, that's obviously and MMA and everything like that. That's the, the way it's been been structured. So there will be mandatory challenges for the titles once everything's up and running well. It's not a case of every month it's whoever bids the most or whoever gets the shot. There will be mandatory slots. So if you're ranked one in or two in the rankings, there will be these opportunities for people to have these shots and opportunities. So, look, I, I think it will work long term. People have just got to try and embrace it because the way the amateur game was run before, as you were saying, God, money was always an issue. They couldn't generate yeah. prize money or enough prize money and enough sponsorship. So, look, yes, it's a bit different people having to pay, but in respect, if you believe in your own ability, if you believe you can beat the champion, then you'll put the money up because you think you know you're going to – not know you're going to win it, but you're backing your ability to win the, the title and the money. So, look, yes, it is different, um, but I'm looking forward to the journey. And, look, 2021, when yeah. normality returns, I think we'll see the best of MAD and how it's all going to interlock together. So I hope that one helps in the chat room. Right, let's, let, let, let's go back up because that seems a mile off. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Pleased to meet the team. Thank you very much. Um, who will prevail in MAD? The, look, the, like we just said there, it's gonna. There'll be room for everyone from pub to the very top. It's what it's been designed for. Mm -hmm. Just, just trust Steve and the team. They got the JDC right, and when that first came out, everyone was like, "Whoa, what, what, what's this? This isn't BDO Youth Darts. This is taking it all somewhere else." Trust it, work with it, and I believe it will go the the, the same way. But hey, um, do you guys fancy Simon Whitlock? Uh, we've lost uh, Luke temporarily. We shall get him back shortly. Not God, there is not my type. <laughs> Beard's a bit tickly. Yeah. Uh, sure. uh, probably playing. <laughs> probably playing dark as well as he has done for the last four or five years. Um, we we've made the same comment for weeks now. We sit here and try and work out how Simon Whitlock is in the top. 16 or, or top 32 players after he has lows, and then he goes on runs like he's doing right now. Um, he, I, I don't think he's in contention for the Premier League, which would be the next step, unless he wins the title, um, which would he'd be close on the borderline again. He was there a couple of years ago and, and didn't quite get the call up, um, but he is playing very well. I think his, his scoring is superb. That, that first of 180 hitting that we saw at the players was ridiculous. 
Um, and he looks good on the outer ring again, and that's a massive thing for Sam Willock. When he first came over from the BDO, and when he made the BDO final and the PDC final, his big checkouts, big, big checkouts were sucker punches to people constantly. And if he's got the confidence to go and hit them, he really can compete with anybody. Agreed. One for you, Luke, from Ollie in the chat room. Who's going to be number one in the world after it's all over? At the Palace. Yep. Oh, that's a tough question. It is a tough question. Uh, if, if I'm right, as long as Michael Smith wins the World Championships um, and Gerwin Price makes the final, I think Gerwin Price does still go top. So if my predictions are right, Price will be number one. I think Van Gerwen is coming into form. Like, let's not write him off every single year. If he gets to the semi-finals against Michael Smith, it is anyone's game, and we'll have to see. It could be. I think, to be honest, I would rule right out of it. I think it's between Van Gogh and Price. But, yeah, I don't know that I could go for a definitive. If, I had, if you had to push me, I would say Price. But Gob, for you? You know where I'm going, because... I know you're going, but I'm going to ask you. You're going to ask me anyway. <laughs> At the minute, if all three were to lose in the first round, this man would be number one because of the money they're defending. He has to go one round better than... Michael Van Gerwen and hope Gerwin Price doesn't win the tournament and therefore Peter Wright will be the new number one in PDC Dart as of January the 4th. I respect your, your opinion but you're wrong. Moving on. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what round does De Souza get to from Joe? Oh. What round does De Souza get to? Semi. Semi-finals. Bold. 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 Interesting. I think he beat yeah, Sterling Price. I'm, I'm not convinced. Last week. I think he beat Sterling Price and I think he makes the semi-final. Nah, I think he loses before that, personally. For you, Luke? The one thing I would say is I think the fact that the crowd isn't going to be there seriously strengthens his chances of making the semi-final, so I will give you that. I think before this announcement, I would have backed Gerwin Price, but I think it brings it back into it. Price really feels himself off the crowd. Does it strengthen D'Souza's chances? Most definitely, yeah. So, potentially, I'm going to say he goes out to, to Gerwin Price, which I think would be last 16 to round four for me. Yeah, well, before we move on, we'll touch on that. Obviously, the news broke today, and it was like a... Yeah, we're past nine o'clock now. It was like a sledgehammer to the bollocks. Um yeah. Fans not we're, we're <laughs> allowed in for one day. Um, oh, look, it's just heartbreaking because the work that Matt, Barry, Dave, and everyone, Jamie at, at the PDC put in to make this happen, to it be trashed so close to the event is, is gutting. And will it make a difference? Absolutely. It makes a huge difference. Um, you, what are your thoughts on it, guys? Do you think it's the right decision or do you think that they could have still had fans in there? Because, in theory, it is COVID secure. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. I think... I think I'll, go, I'll let Gov go first. I'll let Gov go first. I think the issue with them trying to get special dispensation to keep fans at Ali Pali would then be the football grounds are secure and the other sporting environments are COVID secure. They, they have to be. That's, that's the way the country is working at the minute. So they couldn't really go and get 
factual rights without that being extended to everybody. And I, I just don't see the government going for that at the minute. They, they set these rules out. If they're going to start breaking it for one, they're going to start breaking it for everyone. And whilst they don't mind breaking the rules themselves, the minute anyone else does it, complete no-no. Um, <laughs> I think the crowd dynamic will be massive. We saw the effect it's had at the Premier League grounds um, and, and football grounds in the country in the last two weeks. A thousand fans at some of these grounds make an awful lot of noise. Same with the AJ fight. They were very loud. Very, very loud. And I yeah. get they might have had mics hidden in the place and we don't quite know how they've done it software-wise. If they have used any sort of broadcasting trickery, but that venue was very loud. And I'll tell you now, Andy Joshua felt the difference between that. The football teams felt the difference between that, especially when you're playing away from home now. That did make a difference. You look how many of the top six lost this weekend or didn't pick up the three points this weekend. And then look how many of them weren't playing at home massive. The crowds are back and they make a difference. So this will make a difference to the players to get riled up for the crowd. Go in price for one. Michael Van Gerwen has struggled with that crowd. Um, there's a lot of questions at the minute being asked about will they revert the scheduling and um, will they bring the tiebreaker back? Personally, I don't think so. Because London has its own special review before the tournament is over, there is an opportunity that it will drop back to Tier 2 within two weeks. And therefore, the back end of the tournament could go ahead in the current guys it was planned for before the announcement today. And it, it's just logistically not possible to make that change back if London does somehow sneak back into Tier 2. Um, so they have to keep it the way it is. Um, it, it's a complete hammer blow. Um, I'm ranting quite a bit here, but I just think that the PDC have been superb all year. And we've said it a number of times, and this isn't us trying to kiss us. We do what we do, and if they're not doing something good, we're going to sit here and call them out for it. But they have been superb all year. They've adapted. They've been flexible. They've come up with creative solutions. They've put a lot into this event, and it's been absolutely smashed in their face literally the night before. And I genuinely feel quite good for them. Yeah, I'm guessing you're the same, Luke. Yeah, I was going to say, I echo, I echo Gob's thoughts. I think the PDC have done a fantastic job. The home tour was a brilliant initiative that really kept darts on the map, kept all the players. It's actually really benefited a lot of the players. I know Whitlock's came out a few times and said he puts most of his good form down to playing at home all the time. So the, the home tour was fantastic. The fact they've managed to get all the professional tournaments on, yes, most of them without crowds, but a fantastic job so far by the PDC. The women's series was brilliant. They've done really well. And to get as many national qualifiers as they have was fantastic. I would also say that obviously Gob's mentioned it with the footballers. It does change the dynamic of the tournament. You know, it brings the likes of Ian White, Christopher Tyski, players who necessarily would struggle on stage, suddenly have much more of a chance, which, yeah, it does change the rank and money and it will affect for two years after this tournament. So, yeah, potentially it changed the dart and landscape, depending on whether we had a crowd or not. But I think, well, what can you do? It's difficult. No one wants to get into another political debate about COVID. So, it's just one of them things. It's out of their control, but they've done brilliant so far. And hopefully we get crowd back for the last last week of the World Championship. Mate, definitely. Right, back to the chat room. An interesting one. Have you ever been to Pizza Express? Controversially, I'm not a pizza fan and I don't like tomatoes. Full stop. If I have pizza, it has to be a barbecue base. Random one. Don't know about you guys. I miss get it. Out. I miss Pizza Express. <laughs> Their dobles are to die for, by the way. Unbelievable. <laughs> top, top, top tier food yeah, not, not, are Pizza Express's dobles. 
Uh, but I'm a big pizza fan. Mm-hmm. So uh, if anyone wants to send me yeah. down, it is tomorrow. Then uh, on, on two for Tuesdays, I've just got you my address. It's fine. <laughs> uh, one from JB. Early Premier League predictions. Wow. Well, 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 well. Um, look, for those that haven't seen it, we did an interview with Matt on the channel uh, back end of last week. Um, reading into it, I think the Premier League is going to be pushed back. I think we can all agree that he said it without saying it, that the Premier League isn't going to start in February. And he also teased us that they might not name all 10. Now, come the 3rd of January, Luke, if they don't name all 10, would that be a surprise to you? Well, it depends. What If they're going to do the Premier League in sort of September time, or maybe even early, maybe July, you want to play on form. Now, six months is a long time. So if someone's come out of the of the January, out of the World Championship and played really well, then yeah, potentially you'd expect them to be in. But if six months' time, They've suddenly fallen off the fallen off the wagon a little bit. Then, do they deserve to be in the Premier League? That's the question you've got to ask. It's also difficult because of the way they split who the wild cards are between the PDT and Sky. Who's going to get their wild cards first? Because that's another question. Obviously, we know the top four will be guaranteed after the World Championship, but who's going to take the hit and say we'll take our wild card bit a bit later? Yeah, Cobb, for you. Yeah, well, for me, it depends how far it moves back, right? I get there's no criteria to be in the Premier League, but if they're only going to move it back four or five weeks, then the players that have performed throughout the year should get their opportunity. The other thing is that depending on how far back they go, the only real chance you'll get to judge them is the Masters, which not a lot of players care about, let's be honest. Don't get me wrong, it's it's an okay tournament. I think it's lost a bit of the gloss that it's had in previous years because the Premier League is so close to it. A lot of the top boys have used it as a tinkering tournament. Can they get their setups right after a change after the World Championships on TV in that competitive environment? You're not going to pick somebody off Pro Tours, which is what you're going to have a lot of in that in that early segment because if they were, Ian White would have been a four-time Premier League player. Um, and the UK Open is an absolute lottery. So I really don't see how, unless you're going to win it, you can judge somebody's form on that because you could play seven of the top eight in your run to win the UK Open or you could play nobody inside the top 64. It's that mad. So the tournaments they've then got to judge on the wild cards, I think are, are lacking in pure dartingness, if that's the thing. I, I, I agree. I'm, I think the only potential one that will benefit from this is a certain flying Scotsman because I think if the Premier League starts the first week in February, I don't think he's fit to play. Knock it back five, six, seven weeks. I think he's got grace because of the match play. I I, I don't think think the Premier League will start. Depends when he depends when he goes for Yeah, is what I'm saying. If it, if yeah, it oh, yeah, possibly. But... To go for his list of masters and perhaps the UK Open, but sneaks into the Premier League with guaranteed income, better sponsorship opportunities, and a chance to a lot more money, albeit not prize ranking money, but not ranking money, but prize money. I, I think he'd be taking that up the very next day. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. So, interesting times. This is an interesting one. How many players do you think will test positive for COVID at the Worlds? 
look, I hope all 96 passed their, their, their COVID test. But you have to say, with the international travel and all that, there has to be a high percentage that someone fails a test, guys. And look, I don't want anyone to fail a test. I want everyone that has travelled to be able to play. But there has to be a fairly high chance. What would you say? I think a lot of the English players now will run the risk. I think, especially with what happened with Lewis and Bunton, I think they sort of know there's a big paycheck on the line. Even just for making the first round, it's seven and a half grand, right? Realistically, they know to stay in the house house for two weeks, to make sure that you're going to be there COVID-free is definitely something worth doing. The international players have got a little bit more risk with traveling on planes and they've obviously got to come across countries, but We'll have to see what happens. I do think there'll be probably one or two, but optimistically, hopefully no one, but we will have to see. Same for you, Gob. Yeah, I, I think we'll get one or two, but the thing is, I don't think we'll get them at the start of the tournament. I think there's two distinct gaps where the players are allowed to leave and come back and be retested, and that's where I think we're going to get one, and if it strikes later in the tournament, it's an absolute nightmare because they've got replacement players lined up for the first round. But if somebody tests positive after round three or round four, as far as I know, there's no right. replacement player. It would just be a buy. It would just be a buy. Nightmare for Scott. Nightmare for the PDC. And okay, we understand the current situation, but it's not really fair on everybody else that's in that latter stage of the tournament either. No, agreed. Look, that's, it's, it's a tricky, tricky situation. Yeah, it, it's it's a tricky situation for those that, that don't know. Obviously, the players have to be back on Boxing Day or the twenty seventh to be tested again. And like you say, that's the ones I worry about a little bit because people, maybe not knowingly, but could let their guard down over Christmas. And look, let, let's hope not. Let's hope that bridge doesn't have to be crossed, and everyone is good. Uh, right, let's go back to the chat room. Love uh, a barbecue base. Yes, Ollie, all over that. Um, <laughs> do you think they might delay my the UK Open in my head? Yeah, look, I, f- I genuinely think a lot depends on the next... Oh, this is about all tournaments as well, and you guys can jump in. I think a lot depends on the next seven, eight weeks, The obviously the rate of infection and the vaccine. If they can get another one of the the trial vaccines passed, so there's maybe two, three being distributed, and they can get enough people vaccinated, I think come the end of spring, we've got a huge chance of having normality and big crowds back in, not just darts, I mean, in in all all arenas, guys. I don't know what you think. I think so. Yeah, I mean... It's difficult with the dating of the UK Open because like what's happened this year, you start pushing things back, you start messing up the Euro Tour calendar, you start messing up the Pro Tour calendar. And, and as well as the blocks of five Pro Tours went, I'm not sure that's the PDC's preferred method of playing Pro Tours. They still want the weekend. They still want them spread out a little bit more. Still disagree. 100%. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's right. Matt, Matt, Matt said that. Yeah, uh, Matt, Matt's already said that 
in a normal year, it's not physically possible. They might be able to do one block of five, like a race for the match play or something like that, but it's not physically possible to do it all year like like they've done it. So, yeah, um, and just um, some people in the comments are saying, I'm booked for the UK Open in Minehead. Will it be full capacity by then? Minehead's one of those venues. It's either got to be full capacity or not at all because it is impossible to social distance properly in Minehead. Anyone that's ever been there will know this. With all the goodwill in the world, you can try as much as you like. It is 99.9% .9 impossible to socially distance properly in Minehead. So yeah. I think Completely going agree. back to that, like we said a minute ago, it will all depend on what happens in the next six, seven weeks. You've been there, Gob. You know what it's like. Uh, well, the fact you're staying with each other, part of the, the ticket price for Minehead is accommodation. They're not just going to start matching people up that aren't necessarily from the same household. If they do, they won't be able to sell enough tickets because, let's be honest, all right, there are restrictions on the tickets at the minute, but there are some sessions for the PDC World Championship that are struggling because of the restrictions on where you live and who you can sit with. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's no way, if we're still in a situation exactly as we are right now, that it goes ahead in with fans in March. Roll out a few more vaccines, possibly even have some sort of waiver on a ticket um, and, and that sort of thing that by attending sporting events, any chance of catching the virus is, is on you and an absorption of risk. Uh, we might start seeing that on, on tickets for a couple of years uh, just to protect the organisers. But yeah, at the minute, no chance. If we can roll out a few million vaccines and push on them, maybe. But I, I don't expect that decision until February. Yeah, 100%. Um, one here, going back to the world, the res there's a reserve list. There is, right, the way I read it, and you guys jump in if you're wrong, if someone from the Pro Tour Order of Merit was unable to play, then the next one comes in, so 30, 33 jumps up and, and so on. If... Dita or Lisa was a fairer test. It goes to the next one, the Lady Series Order of Merit, and and so on. Those that have qualified for other Tour Order of Merits, it depends on the player, what category they qualified for the Worlds for. Have I read? Have I understanding that right? And do you guys agree with that? I believe so. I yeah. think the international qualifiers. I wasn't sure whether the list was coming from the losers of the PDPA qualifiers. I don't know whether that was for all 32 international qualifiers or whether it was specific to us. But um, anyone that lost in the final round of the PDPA qualifier was definitely on the reserve list and quite high up. So reserve I'm list. Not yeah, sure that's the way I'd interpret yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a mess to to, to be fair. But yes, yeah, so there, yeah. there are reserves lists and there aren't. Cool, good, good one from Jacob. I like this one. We'll get our teeth into this one. Thoughts on Q School changes? Me, huge, huge, huge fan of the changes. I've been banging on about this for years. There is now a screening process. You now cannot fluke your tour card, which has been done. Let's be brutally honest. Yeah. Now you can't. Obviously, God, you, you've played on the tours and whatever. Do you think players were like this? I do and I don't. I, I like the early 
stage, obviously there's a bit more pressure on it, but that's how the majority of darts events are played. You don't normally get four days to work your way in on an order of merit. Um, I like that they're using their other tours now. I like that the 16 development players and the 16 challenge tour players are being fast-tracked into stage two of it. The one, one gripe I have with the new system is that losing tour card holders immediately move into tier two. For me, you've had your opportunity. You didn't keep your card. You weren't good enough. And therefore, you have to go back and compete with those back at level one. I, I completely agree with rewarding people based off their previous year's performance with the Devon Challenge. So I think that's what the feeder systems are there to do. And whilst they're right, you get, might get the odd opportunity at a pro tour or the UK Open, as they've now extended it, this is perfect for them. They should be, the top 16 of both of those lists should be in contention for tour cards. That, that's what they've proven over the year. But yeah, players losing their tour cards should be in stage one, not stage two for me. Other than that, Absolutely love the idea. Uh, I think this, I think the changes have been absolutely brilliant. I think it's a really, really good idea from the PDC. Completely agree with Gob. I think if you if you've lost your tour card, you should start from the bottom again. Again, you've had your chance. You move on. Um, I would say that you know it's there was potential with Q School that you could average mid eighties and, and fluke a tour card. Can you do that twice in a row? That's where it gets a bit more unlikely. Which is what what I like about the changes. I think. We want players on a tour that can average 90 plus. That's realistically what you've got to do to get to the world championships. So as long as everybody is averaging 90 plus, the standard is only going to go one way and that's up. So I think the changes will be absolutely brilliant for the world championships, for the quality. It should really heighten fields across all, all the major events. So yeah, really good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And there's, there's a comment here. Um, definitely a fan of Aaron Beanie, but I do think he flipped his way to a tour card. Look, yeah, look, the day that Aaron won his tour card, he didn't average over 88, I think, because of the way the draw went. Look, that's not his fault. You can only beat who's in front of you. But then you look at Scott Mitchell across the four days, averaged nearly 94 across the four days and didn't get a card. So, yeah, the, the way it was done, the best players don't always get tour cards. And arguably, you could say the 128 this year isn't the best 128 available. Yeah, I think you're right, but I, I think you're going to get that in sport anyway, aren't you? Because every, every man has his day. If it was always going to be the best one to eight available, then you'd always get the number one winning. Sport sport isn't played on paper. You're always going to get the odd surprise, the odd difference, the odd reason for it. But I just think this secures or should improve the overall standard of the one to eight, and, and that's where professional darts should be. I think the PDC has spent a while catering for everybody, at that top end, but I just think the depth now is, is so good. You're going to produce one, two, eight solid, solid tour card holders, even through the slightly weaker European Q school. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the numbers fall out from the 16 dev, the 16 challenge, and those losing their tour card as to where they have a number balance works with stage two of the UK and European Q school. but. I presume we'll get more into that in January and take a deeper look at it. But yeah, the changes are positive. I like the seeding and it's it's a good start for the professional image of the game. Yeah, agreed. Uh, question here about hotels for the Worlds. You've been in tier three. Uh, look, hotels are still open for business and stuff like that. So in theory, that, that's what the Worlds are. It's, it's a job for someone. So that's not an issue 
at all. Ken, keep your questions coming in, everyone, whilst we go through any for Luke in particular, as it's his first time on the show. Get them into him. Well, good question from Richard Stanway. Who's in danger of losing their tour cards after the Worlds? Funny you should say that. I've got oh, Darts good. data. Um, Darts, sorry, Darts, I've got Darts ranking here on hand because we look at this comes up a lot. <laughs> um, so. I'm still loading. I don't think Crystal Rears is a million miles apart. Obviously, he's not defending, so. Yeah, look, dude, we we did some rough calculations a couple of weeks ago. God, did you work out that Kyle's just about gamble's going to pay off? I believe so. So Kyle Anderson is currently ranked number where are we? Fifty-eight. 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 And I think looking at the players that aren't in the sixty-four at the minute. And those that are in the World Championships with first round money already added on to their totals. Obviously, you need seven players to overtake him because of Harry Ward handing in his tour card. Um, yeah. I think Matt Edgar had to make a second round. There was three players that needed to make a third round, six that could make a fourth round, and everybody else needed to basically go on and win the event or, or run it up or, or something beyond that. And I just looked at the players, the way the draw came out. Um, they're all unseeded players in that first round. Um, for, for seven of them to go fourth round or better would mean a lot of seeds have fallen to a lot of players that aren't in the top 64 in the world. And I personally just don't see it. So for me, Kyle Anderson is safe. Probably Christo Reyes as well. Uh, might even sneak Ted Evitz on there. James Wilson and below, just because of the less people that would then have to overtake them and the, the combinations might, might be on the cusp. Um, but yeah, anyone James Wilson or below, I think is, is where I'm looking. For you, Luke? Well, James Wilson's going to be really thankful that he's on that reserve list. So although definitely not being morbid here, James Wilson would love it if someone tested positive for COVID and he could get himself into at least try and defend himself. Um, but yeah, there's a few players in danger. Ted Everts was really unlucky. Both James Wilson and Ted Everts were in the same part of the PDPA qualifiers. So both have had their chance to defend. And look, that's just the way this this tour goes. People have to lose their tour cards, and and that's just the way it is. The standard keeps getting better, and if yeah. you can't defend yourself, then you lose your card. Yeah, I think McGinney's the one that's in huge danger for me yeah. because over the, the two, over the two years, he's he's not done nowhere near enough. To, to keep it if he yeah. does keep it it's going to be by the skin of his teeth because if Clearbacker wins his first round game he leaps above them same as Kyvan Hosen that if, if either of them two win or if both these in absolute trouble if Adam Hunt can beat Lisa Ashton then again he, he then jumps up to 41 and a bit grand so then he in that mix as well look there, there's, there's a lot to be done in terms of Q school, but we we were losing your car. But we've seen one good run here, and it just breeds. Was it two years ago? Dev turned up needing to win. What was it? Two or three games at Ali Pali to keep his tour card, and and he did. So look, dreams can happen at Alexandra Palace. You can look down and out, but things happen at the Palace. So 
don't count anyone off in the race when you're fighting and swinging for your life. Um, one from Daniel. Do you guys think there should be 12 in the Premier League next year? Look, I don't mind 12, but it will never happen. Sky won't have more than five games a night. So it's an absolute non-starter to, <laughs> to get over the line with anyway. The only, the only time they have more games is like when the Grand Prix and that's on. And, but that's an absolute nightmare and stuff like that. But it just doesn't happen, mate. So it won't happen. Um, let's go through the other questions. Extremely what unlikely. What's your favourite dance game of all time? Yeah. For me, I would go recent. Don't I would go Van Gerwen crossed. I think Van Gerwen crossed Ooh. in the twenty uh, in the was it tw twenty eighteen semi-finals was unbelievable. The drama in the final leg when you thought Cross he was he was down and out. Realistically, he had the throw. He's down and out. He came back to win it. It was unbelievable. Really, really good game. Yeah, it's up there. Um, deep into the night at Alexandra Palace. Um, that one, again, those games do live long in the memory. Right then, guys, we've been waffling. So last couple time, last few questions. But whilst you get the last ones in, we're actually semi on time. For those that can see... On the camera, we've got some very special prizes here. The MVG Prototype Darts. And we've actually got an extra set to give away. So, we've got oh, this sorted. Sorry, I've actually got winners as well. Instead of giving more away. It's for the fans, Rob. It's for the fans. <laughs> I get that, mate. But T-shirts are nice. But I want merch. I want merch. I've got a <laughs> I mean, I've got a <laughs> to, to, just to tease you all as well, we do have a Gary. We have a Gary Anderson competition year, for tomorrow way. as well, so stay tuned for that. So the winners of the MVG prototype darts, thanks to Winmail, and these have been thrown by the Green Machine, sent back and tinkered with. So we have a winner from Twitter. Congratulations, Scott Rawlings. A winner on Facebook, Ian Roberts. And on Instagram, Lewis Wright. Guys, congratulations. You three have won the MVG Prototype Darts. We will DM you either later this evening or tomorrow when I get to my hotel to get those sent out to you. But keep your eyes peeled because we've got a very special Gary Anderson competition tomorrow. Right, last few questions then. Um, random one. We'll answer it because we're nice. Favourite Beatles album? Not to me, thanks. I've got no idea. Before my time. Before my time. The only one I know that sensible. is Sergeant Pepper, so we'll, we'll go with that one. Uh, solid. I'm, I, I'm going to play it safe. The Greatest Hits album. They're all on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, guys, this is this is a good question from Tommy. Will an Asian player win the world one day? No, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. I'm, I'm uh, to be honest, I don't think any of the current crop have got the potential to do it. But if the sport keeps growing in Japan, potentially there's the market there. They're developing the players. They see Saigo Sada and he starts inspiring some people to go on and practice hard. Then why not? 
yeah, look, I, I think one day it will happen. Look what Barry's done with snooker in China and Asia. I think it's only a matter of time until darts goes the, the, the same way. The Asian tour has brought players on tremendously. So, look, will it happen in the next five years? Probably not. 10, 15 years down the line? Why not? And there's no reason why they cannot compete at the highest level. Well, gentlemen, that brings to an end the Dartmouth Eve edition of the Live Lounge. Thank you very much for all those that have joined us. If you haven't yet, head over to Online Darts on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button right now. Get us the 3K subscribers before the world. If you haven't, why not? And, of course, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have everything covered over the whole World Championship here at Online Darts. Me and the team, we have everything covered. You've met them all tonight. Of course, hit them up on in, um, Twitter. The handles are all there. Yeah, um, the handles are all there. So thank you very much, Luke. Hope you enjoyed the first live match with us here. Pleasure to have yeah. you on. It sure yeah, won't be won't won't be the last time. I've been Phil Bars, joined by Luke Cam, and of course, God over in the corner. Jarliff may be back for the next one. We'll see if we let him on or not. Or we'll see if the thumbprint's yeah. up yet. Gentlemen, absolute pleasure as always, and we will see you tomorrow for the William Hill World Darts Championship. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.